0: My friends. Welcome to the Connected Families podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Bellward. Our purpose in this podcast is to guide you to receive God's grace and truth and then to equip you to pass that grace and truth on to your children. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. I have Jim and Lynn Jackson, co-founders of Connected Families, here with me today, like often, but not always. So hi, Jim and Lynn. Welcome. Good to be
1: here, Stacey. Hi,
2: Stacey. We love doing this with you. We
0: do. And today is a very special episode. It is our 100th 100th. episode. I wish I had the the party blowers, you know, the woohoo.
2: I was trying to picture the first one, and I honestly can't do it I don't remember you know we've tried so many different things over the years and been behind microphones can can, does anybody
0: remember our first podcast I could go look I didn't before but didn't we do a series it was like 10 episodes on what to do when like my my child wants to quit violin lessons and it's what do I do because we invested so much money (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, right, right. I do remember that series for sure. I remember setting up a rudimentary set of microphones and stuff we bought. And
0: that's and right. We set up we set up all this equipment in a little room in our office and we were we right. were working oh. on it, weren't we?
2: Yeah, there was cords all over the place. <laughs> Don't bump the mic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Lean
1: in over the coffee I think,
2: table. I think COVID, you know, if there's if there's if there's something good about COVID, it's that it gave us all more grace for for perfection in equipment and recording and you know, all the things. It's just like it became normal to be on Zoom and people get yep. used to it. And so here we are.
0: That's right. Here we are. So we are getting better. Zoom gives us more grace for the actual production of it, but our process is getting better and our impact is really growing. So in 2021, we had 110,000 downloads and 75% and even more than that statistic is that People listen to seventy five percent of the podcast. Yeah, that is huge.
2: Yeah, it's cool. We we're able to measure these days the drop off rate, and the drop off rate is very low with the with uh, you know on Clubhouse too. People come and they stay. They listen. They yeah. they want to hear God's grace and truth for their lives, and they want to figure out how to apply it and. You know, it's been such a privilege to work with you, Stacey, and the team. And of course, Lynn and I have been doing this now nearly 20 years. And to be messengers of God's grace and truth for parents, what a privilege, what an honor. And we're still learning. We're still figuring all these things out, as, as you'll likely hear today when we talk about this topic.
0: And you mentioned it, grace and truth. So to celebrate our 100th episode, our topic today is grace and truth. So Lynn... Why do we choose grace and truth of all the topics that we talk about here at Connected Families?
1: Well, because when we see parents really step into God's grace and truth, learn to tune into the Holy Spirit's presence in the moment. So uh, an example I've shared with so many parents comes from our sweet coach, Lydia. And she said, sometimes when my child is just, you know, bursting in anger, I sense God's presence next to me saying, I love you and we're going to get through this together. And then she can turn and say to her son, I love you And we're going to get through this together. And so as parents hold on to God's grace and truth, it opens them up to the presence of the Holy Spirit in that situation. We have a lot of great practical parenting tips and strategies, but the Holy Spirit is just more creative than we could ever imagine. Our
2: ultimate teacher. Yeah. You know, Stacey, I want to take a poke at that question too, you know, grace and truth is really what, for parenting, is what Connected Families is built on. It's our, you know, in our purpose statement, we all have memorized this and know it. We wake up every day to care for, inspire, and equip parents to receive and pass on God's grace and truth making that practical is important but there's a you know we we need to have a good theological understanding of what all that means if we're going to put it into practice in a sincere way in a way that compels our children that lands on them truly as grace and truth rather than just some new trick that mom and dad learned to get me to do what they want me to do we're just excited to have this sort of be the milestone podcast Yes. About these core concepts.
0: Well, I would love to spend our first half of the show just diving into your own personal journeys with grace and truth. I know that that's where Connected Families started was some of that understanding. And so tell us about the beginning of your understanding, your deeper understanding of what God's grace is and how it applies to your life and then your parenting.
2: Wow. <laughs> That's a deep question, honey. Why don't you take 30 seconds and then I'll talk for the rest of the hour? <laughs> no. No, I mean we have you're right, Stacey. We we thought a lot about this even early on. In fact before Connected Families started, even before Lynn and I got married, we were introduced to to teaching about grace that kind of blew our minds as as people who'd been in the church for a season. And I went to a Christian college and Lynn, you'd been involved in various Christian ministry for a season. And uh, I was a youth pastor and we heard this teaching about, about grace. I mean, it's right out of the Bible. It wasn't really any big surprise. It was just rendered in a whole new way for us that, yes, grace ultimately is God's unmerited favor offered on our behalf through the through the death and resurrection and penalty paid for our sin that Jesus Christ, you know that work that he did for us at the cross, that's the root of grace and we'd heard that all along of course but then how do you define your life by this grace? How do you walk in this grace? How do you walk in the new creation that we are because of this grace? And so we started to wrestle with that early because candidly we came into our marriage both of us with shame and mm-hmm. with baggage and with a whole set of loop tapes that played in our brains about where life and where value came from mm-hmm. that we began to recognize especially in light of this teaching and the church has even been subtly complicit in how we think about ourselves sometimes like saved a wretch like me or that you that you died for a worm like me like these are terms that are meant to define us before we knew christ it, metaphors for being lost in sin, you know, to sing with my whole heart every Sunday that I'm a I'm a wretch and I'm a worm is bad theology, but we were singing it full voice and we were taught, you know, to subtly think of ourselves as unworthy. Would Jesus Christ die for a worm? No, Jesus Christ died for these valuable, created in God's image people that we are and learning to become who we are in Christ, to fight the fight of faith Mm -hmm. that Paul talked. You know, when Paul gave Timothy the injunction, he said, fight the fight of faith. He didn't say fight the fight of evangelism or fight the fight of of church membership or, you know, fight the fight of of a great social media strategy. (laughs) He said, fight the fight of faith. And the faith was really to remember, who Jesus is and who we are because of that work.
1: Yeah. So my entry into faith was, God, I give you 60-40 that you're real, that you're true. So 60% true, 40% still doubting. And on the basis of that, you've got my life. (laughs) (laughs) This grand pronouncement, I'll be so dedicated and
2: so committed. I wonder if that would work to get you through the Marines.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I quickly got on my performance treadmill to try to be the perfect Christian. And then I took that into parenting and was just feeling like a, a colossal failure left and right. And my my first image of relating to God as, you know, as how he related to my parenting was sort of up in this cloud in the sky with a clipboard looking down going, oh. My goodness, I've given her the Holy Spirit. Why is she still yelling at her kids like that, (laughs) taking notes on my failure? And I knew it was faulty logic, but it was sort of stuck in my heart. And so it was quite a process to replace that kind of disapproving image. Like, yeah, I bought you because I loved you, but I'm pretty frustrated with how you're doing and how you're turning out and all that. And that was just toxic in my parenting. Mm -hmm. So it was quite a journey to replace all those different images and beliefs with God's grace and truth. For
2: us. You know, at the end of the day, even after hearing that truth, you know, we would, you know, have different conflicts or different times of discouragement. And it became clear that a lot of the time, if not most of the time, if not all of the time, that we got deeply discouraged, it was because we weren't believing what was true about us because of the work of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And there's a temptation, I think, for us as believers to go right to the truth of us in Christ. And we need to do that because the Bible clearly, you know, if you read Ephesians chapter one and chapter two, Paul's letter to the church, really for all people for all time. He just spells out this beautiful statement of identity for people yes. who were in Christ. But in order to be in Christ, we have to recognize that our sin is a big problem. The Bible tells us that if we say we don't have sin, then we then we're liars. We and, and the truth of God can't be in us. So the so getting to this truth part of grace and truth <laughs> flows through the truth that we Apart from Christ, are lost, we are sinners, we are selfish to the core. Yes, we're created in God's image, but we're separated from God by that sin, and there's a work that we need to do to be reconciled to God, which is a work of faith in what Jesus did, and then we claim this new identity. And I think sometimes we want to feel good about everything and so we forget to talk about the sin part, but without sin, grace doesn't is not necessary.
0: I really am so glad that you said that, Jim, because you started off talking about how sometimes in the church, we sing these songs saying I'm a wretch and I'm a worm and, you know, but really, you know, I, I, I think that Paul talked a lot about his pre-saved life. And that's what you just mentioned. Like I was a sinner. And when I remember that even now being, you know, decades long saved, To me, it makes me remember I am completely dependent on Jesus, Mm -hmm. even now, even today, to change the tapes that Lynn was talking about, the old shame tapes and the, you know, performance tapes and all of those things, and to move them to Jesus, help me, you are my truth. I want your truth to replace that old yeah, a way of thinking that's not graceful.
1: You know, once we are in Christ and he just washes us clean, but we still stumble and sin and do all the stuff. It's such a gift for us to be able to look at that, that sin, that selfishness objectively without a reaction of shame, because then it's, it's a gift for us to be able to, to see it, acknowledge it, confess it, change it. Otherwise, we just trash our relationships. Yeah. If we're so filled with shame that we have to be defensive to anything negative that we see in ourselves, it's really destructive to us and our relationships. But when we can see, oh, I just blew it there. Lord, I'm so thankful for your grace. Help me to reconcile this and make it right. Mm-hmm. I just so need your and, and value your mercy in this situation. And then we can do that reconciliation that keeps our hearts connected.
0: We get defensive or the other option is become like a Pharisee, like, you know, I can do do whatever I want. I'm not seeing my sin.
2: And either Mm -hmm. way, it's about a behavior based sense of worth and value is fascinating. The Pharisees, you know, thought they had it all together. Self-righteousness is a word we use Mm -hmm. to describe that they felt like, like they had, they had their act together. They measured up. And then Jesus said, you know, if you look at somebody with lust in your heart, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just as bad as doing the deal. And that wasn't meant to get the Pharisees to polish even brighter. That was meant to help the Pharisees figure out, guess what? We can't do this. The law, the thing that's, that's there to lead us to Jesus, that, to help us see that we can't do it on our own, is so strict that I can't measure up to that standard without being redefined by the work of Jesus and the new life that I'm given in Christ. So he didn't, you know, we've sometimes even those, again, how does the church sometimes become complicit? I've heard the message preached about even that very set of verses, try harder not to lust.
0: Right. (laughs) I'm
2: not saying we ought to not fend off lust in our lives. I think it's a good thing to do that. But the goal isn't to to 100% fend off lust, I don't think. I think the goal of that teaching is like you know what? I tried that and I still can't do it. I have to confess that as still this baggage of sin that I carry around in me. And, you know, we've been talking about shame and we've done a whole podcast about this. So I don't want to take a whole bunch of time, but we ought to feel guilty for our sin. Guilt is a feeling God created that tells me I did something I ought not do and compels me to make right what I've made wrong and to restore, to reconcile, which is it's guilt is what leads us to confess our sin and ask Jesus for a new life. Guilt is a good, God-given emotion. Shame is what Satan, I believe, does to guilt, which is turns that sense of guilt that's compelled me to do the right thing into a sense of defectiveness, even though I, even though I made it right, even though I apologized, even though I confessed it to God. Shame says you're a bad person. It's an identity-driven sort of a dynamic. Guilt is a, is a, is a status at the court. That you're guilty and you need to, you know, the price needs to be paid for that guilt. And that price was paid in Christ. And so when we receive that, the guilt is gone and we can make restoring relationships on earth and move on. Shame doesn't let us do that very easily. And that's why we need to grab a hold of grace, the truth about grace so firmly.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. A practical example or a way to make that succinct and, and hang on to it is we go from a sinner saved by grace to a saint who still sometimes sins and that doesn't define us. And I love a scripture in Psalm 33. It says, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me. And I, I can envision a shield protecting us from the arrows of our enemy, the liar. You are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. And so that's just such a beautiful image when we get discouraged and downcast that God protects us from the lies of the enemy and he lifts our head high because we are so precious to him as his children.
0: I like that verse so much. Scripture is just so key in this conversation. I wonder Lynn really practically as you are shifting your percentages, you know, you're moving from 60, 40 to 70, 30 and <laughs> giving more and more of your life to the Lord and working through this grace, like as practical as you can, can you describe what that looked like to move from? Oh, I blew it again. I didn't, you know, I'm not a good enough Christian. I'm not a good enough parent. I failed again to what was different, being more grace-filled, understanding that. What did that really specifically look like? And I'm I'm actually also really interested in how you grew to understand God's love because that had to have influenced that process. And I think it's so hard for people sometimes to really know God's love.
1: Well, it was quite a process. And it it did involve just some receiving some really in-depth prayer ministry As part of it. But I also learned to just sort of like look the lie or the liar right in the face and go, I am not giving you the satisfaction of raking me over the coals again. And in my upset state, I could be upset at the lie to really step into the importance of modeling this for our kids, of modeling God's grace that it's real and it's okay. To, you know, when we mess up, there's such an opportunity to just bring the Lord's grace and mercy right into that situation. So I can remember a, a time walking down the stairs towards our son's bedroom again, <laughs> thinking, well, at least he'll know what to do when he blows it because I sure do model it a lot <laughs> model
0: apologizing is that- model
1: blowing it and apologizing okay, <laughs> yeah. and I walk down the stairs and go into his room and he's leaning back on his bed with his hands behind his head and just kind of this cheesy grin on his face and he says I was waiting for you <laughs> oh, he knew. And I thought, you little stinker. And then I thought, he trusts me. And that's a really big deal. Yeah. And I'm modeling that grace allows us. It's like the tidal wave that brings us to that person so that we can confess our sins, reconcile, be healed, all the good things that's promised in scripture when we acknowledge that we've blown it without the shame that just squashes our hearts.
2: I want to add to what I saw Lynn do in that time, because it ministered to me too, actually. The verse uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, that, that, that invites us to take thoughts captive to Christ's obedience. I saw you be pretty disciplined to do that work. And it was about reflecting, taking time, making time. Lynn, Lynn was a, a full-time mom, had a, had a part-time career at the time. You know, I was coming and going all over the place in a ministry career that I was in. And she carved out time every day, almost every day, to read her Bible, be shaped by the word, be shaped into truth. And you journaled. And you were tenacious when you journaled you've shared some of these with me to identify what are the lies I'm believing and what is the truth about that? So what's the discouraged thought that I have about me? And, you know, I'm sure could talk about a lot of different ones that you had. And then what's the counter truth in the word of God that takes those things that we say about ourselves, like, uh, I just, I, I never can get it right. What is uh, there's something really wrong with me? Well, the truth is there is something wrong with me. I still carry around the baggage of the flesh. So that's partially true, but then that's not who I am because in Christ, I'm, I'm an heir. I've got everything I need for life and godliness is in me because of Jesus. So, so that was the work you did, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the thing I'm saying. Here's the part that might be a little bit true, but here's the part that's not true. And here's God's truth for that. And you've got pages and pages where you've written and we've talked. Another thing that you did and that we did together was we made sure to find people of grace to be around. And that's not to say we weren't around people of ungrace or who didn't understand grace. We wanted to do that too. But, you know, we made our network out of people who longed to walk in grace and be grace with and for each other and so the importance of being in community i think this is such a this is why the church is the hope of the world and to be involved in those communities whether you know absolutely formally every week or whether you know some people are are more random about it these days and watching church online but if you don't have community real life people you can share air and life with that are that are models of grace for you it's going to be hard to really live in and understand and, and, and be formed by God's grace and truth.
0: That is one thing that I appreciate so much about the two of you, and I know that our whole community does, is that you model what it looks like to live in grace and still be pressing towards becoming more and more like Jesus. Never making excuses for our sin. I
2: don't know. I wouldn't say never, Stacey. <laughs> Sometimes i make excuses.
0: We are still sinful people. But that's what you teach. We apologize and we make right. And we give grace to each other in yep. that. And so it's such a beautiful and important, and I would even say almost rare example that you give mm-hmm. to not just us, but to our connected families community around the world. And so thank you for that. Wow. I want to move into a break. And after that, we're going to come out of that break and hear some grace and truth messages that you have given to us as a community, but then we tapped into our community and asked them for their grace and truth messages. And so we'll dive into that in just a moment. Hey, mom, do you find yourself feeling angry or struggling with negative and hopeless thoughts? we all have at one time or another. I certainly have. Here at Connected Families, we have a five session online course that will encourage you with hopeful truth. The course is called Grace and Truth for Moms. And it's a core teaching that comes out of the first level of the Connected Families framework. You are safe with me. The course is presented by Lynn Jackson, co-founder of Connected Families, and covers these topics: What is the real truth about me? About my kids? How to hold on to truth even in hard times? Grace and Truth for Mom was made for small groups. Even just you and a friend or a larger group of 10 to 15, you decide. But when you register your group, you'll have immediate access to all the online videos for the course. The course takes little to no preparation. You just press play and Feel God's grace. Lori, mom of three, said this after she went through the course. God spoke to my heart and showed me how I have subconsciously been believing lies that I had to be some sort of perfect parent. I wanted to let go of that goal and just rest in the truth that I'm doing my best and will never be perfect. But Jesus is perfect. I hope you registered today. All the information about Grace and Truth for Moms online course is in our show notes or go to connectedfamilies.org. All right, we're here after the break. And because of our 100th episode, which is the one we're recording right now, our content team put out an email and they asked our community if they would share with us what their grace and truth statements were. So before the break, Lynn, you were talking about how you, you replaced those toxic half truths. I think Jim Describe them really well before the break. They're partly truth, partly lie, and -hmm. replace those with full truth statements. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so we asked our community, what were the full truth statements that you hold on to when you catch yourself thinking things that are maybe shame filled, they're half lie. And so, Lynn, do you want to describe? We we asked for one hundred. We didn't get one hundred. We got ninety. <laughs> but name a couple of those. I love this one because
1: a fear is just so much an issue in parenting anxiety. Jesus gives me courage to face adversity. And I will grow from this. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of research about when you view stress as a challenge, it's almost like it becomes your caffeine to have an energetic response versus just get overwhelmed. You can hear the
0: warrior come up in that person, huh? The the (laughs) warrior of I am going to win.
2: We create these statements that can sort of be pie in the sky. Like if I do the right thing, everything will be great. There's none of that here. Jesus gives me courage. That's true. That's absolutely 100% true. Jesus will give courage to anyone who faces Jesus and says, give it to me. And I will grow from this. When you receive courage, God will grow you. Those, that's like an absolute true thing to say. And so to, to memorize a phrase like that is a way that we've seen parent after parent grow in grace, grow in truth, and grow in a sense of confidence about, about who they are, who God is, and, and therefore how to behave.
0: And what a wonderful truth to teach our children, right? They're Mm -hmm. walking through hard things. That's good. Lynn, what's another one? I I
1: like this one, too. This is hard. But this is the life I prayed for and want. There's that double acknowledgement of Yeah, this is a hard situation right now. And some parents even say like, Oh, this is a moment for compassion for me. Yeah, (laughs) compassion on me. But this is the life I prayed for and want and Mm -hmm. to keep perspective on the big picture of I love these kids and I wouldn't want it to be any different.
2: I think it would be helpful to unpack because I know a lot of people prayed for like you know you and I did a thing a while back about the, the wife of my dreams. I mm-hmm. prayed for the wife of my dreams. I didn't get that. I got the wife of my reality.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> so how to, so
2: so I didn't get better. Like, <laughs> it's better. It's so much better, but I didn't get what I prayed for on the surface. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, under the surface of that prayer was, I want the best that God has for me. And, you know, I didn't understand as a young guy, the, the wife of my reality or the wife of my dreams was a myth. There, there's no woman who's going to measure up to all the expectations that I as a young man have about what a wife will be. And I had to bring that to the cross. I had to confess that as sin. And it was leading to discouragement and even despair sometimes Till I got a hold of the fact that I had in that prayer, I had sinned. Really, I had asked God for something that, it, that God doesn't ever promise to give us, which is a life that works out just the way you want it to. But if I was to reflect on that now, I'd say, well, what I prayed for was the notion, the principles behind it were a, an intimate, close, authentic marriage with a, with a woman who will listen and learn and who will extract and who I can learn from and listen to. And that's what I wanted. I, like I would have wanted all those things. I just didn't I didn't see it as a youngster, but I I, I prayed for them differently. Mm-hmm. I look back now and go, yeah, I I really it is. I mean, Lynn is not the woman of my dreams because my dreams were were sin skewed. <laughs> <laughs> but the the woman of my reality is the, is God's best for me and that that is like a dream come true.
1: Even when our kids were really challenging. It's like a
2: dream come true, oh, honey. You oh, just go right oh. on the teaching.
1: Come <laughs> on, come on. <laughs>
0: She just gave him a kiss on the cheek.
1: (laughs) But even in the midst of of it with our kids, you know, where you just get so frustrated with one, it's like, I I would never have traded that child, Mm -hmm. even though I was really struggling. It's like, I want to get through this. This is God is going to use this. I I know he is in this and that my children are good gifts to me. Another one I, I love here is just everyone is still learning. So simple, but so full of grace. And I remember asking a, a wise, one of our certified coaches in training, well, how do you see growth mindset? What's the spiritual foundation of that? And she said, it's hope. And I went, oh, that's right. And it made me think of Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope to your family and others you love, by the power of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's just that sense of hope that can keep us going. If if when we become hopeless, then our parenting just shrivels (laughs) and just can become so oppressive.
2: I love how you always do that thing where you, you put a little parenthetical, pragmatic <laughs> application to the scripture. To
0: your Here's children and family and, and spouses and, and relationships, yes. If you,
2: if you didn't know it, when Lynn is speaking, you'd think she's just reading God's word, but <laughs> puts in her own little practical application as it relates to family.
0: Well, I love these truth statements that our community sent into us. And we're in a campaign right now. It's kind of a social media campaign around grace and truth and posting some of these things on our Instagram and our Facebook page and other places. but I just encourage any of you listening. what's your truth phrase? your grace and truth phrase? Post it on your social media page and tag us connected families mm-hmm. and we encourage each other with the ways that we're growing.
2: Yeah I'm thinking Stacy that people might be listening to this and be inspired to create a truth phrase to guide yes. them. We'd love to hear mm-hmm. about that as well.
0: I hear there's a missionary dad that had a truth phrase that you maybe talked yeah. to him, Jim.
2: Yeah. Well, I interviewed, this is a while back and he's the guy that was coming and going a lot and on the field and five kids and five teens, five teenagers at the (laughs) time. Yep. When I interviewed him and I was just like, how do you bring grace, you know, in the craziness of today's youth culture and the conflicting messages that kids are getting, how do you anchor what you do as a dad in God's grace and truth, and he didn't pause at all. He said, "Well, I got a no freakout rule when my kids do stuff that is unexpected. A no freakout rule.
0: No it's, freak. rule. I'm, okay. I'm
2: not gonna freak out. I've just vowed that I'm not gonna freak out." And then he talked about the importance of confessional living and I practice confessional living, he said, and I I queried that a little bit more and it was like, I, I do the best I know how to do to be honest with my kids about my struggles, both when I was their age, as well as now, I don't want to overwhelm them. I don't want to freak them out. And so, you know, just finding this balance guided by God's spirit to not freak out, to confess, you know, my journey to my kids and even welcome them into it as as people who would pray for me or listen to me or give me ideas and I listen to my kids and it's God's grace and truth that enables me to do that and I want to model it in that way for the kids.
1: Yeah, and what started that whole conversation was, you know, he said, "Oh, I'm just so blessed to have great relationships with my teens and We're both like, okay, let's poke around in this and see what's underneath that, that might, that it might be something that we could learn from. Mm -hmm. And it really does take grace and truth to, to both not freak out and and overreact, you know, like God's in control. He's in charge of my kid's life. I don't have to freak out at this.
0: Oh yeah. Um, Especially teens. You were at a party with vaping. (laughs) Don't freak out, Stacey. Don't freak out. Okay. (laughs) And then keep going, Lynn. (laughs) <laughs> well, I know, Stacy. you've talked a lot about, you know, my child is in
1: the middle of their growth, and God yeah. is in charge. And that's helped you in that because I've heard that from you. And then the other thing of practice confessional living, we can't do that if we are burdened with shame. And so we have to receive God's grace-filled love and, you know, his statement of, I see with all the righteousness of Christ so that then we can hold this junk out Mm -hmm. and share it and communicate to our kids. It's safe to struggle Mm -hmm. in this family Mm -hmm. because God loves us and accepts us just as we are. And we've got another example of this just to make it really practical. So we have another example of a mom I'll call Ellen, and she was expecting her third baby She was prone to anxiety. She had some very sensitive, intense little kiddos. Already, And so she was preparing by really looking ahead and journaling about Philippians 4, 8, you know, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. I was able to get a copy of her journal and I loved it because it was scribbled all over and just random thoughts. And she was really diving into making that scripture her own. And she shared about how that was starting to seep into her heart in situations where she normally would have been anxious and she shifted her focus to those things. And then she also had some things that she was thinking about in the moment. And this is after the birth of her, of her daughter in the immediate challenge. What am I feeling high emotion about right now? Is it actually important right now? Can I actually do something about it right now? Will I give this thought and emotion permission to stay or will I tell it to leave? (laughs) So she was very intentional about when she noticed her body responding with stress, what questions was she going to think through about that stress and anxiety? Recently, she shared, so that was looking forward in the moment. And then looking back, she shared just kind of a grace-filled reframing of a busy day where, you know, you could be tempted to just go, oh, the place is a mess. I never got the laundry done. And she said, for anyone else who is renewing their mind in opposition to shame, tonight I was brushing my teeth and feeling weight on my heart. Ugh, I didn't exercise again. I really wanted to. I'm so undisciplined. And I still didn't put the laundry away in our bedroom. No one can know about this. My homemaking skills are a joke. (laughs) Does that sound relatable?
0: (laughs) I think a lot of people can relate to that.
1: And then I felt the Lord say, let's laugh about this. Let's take a step back, my dear. Let's look at what you've accomplished today. And then she listed 14 wonderful things that she did that just provided security for her kids. She did some planning. She modeled prayer. She modeled boundaries and patience. She was potty training her toddler. Everyone got fed well. She encouraged and prayed for her husband. And she said, there's probably so much more, but now I'm going to go to sleep. All this to say, what is the story in your head? What is heavy on your heart? Is it truth? Are you living in freedom? Sometimes a heavy heart is authentically, painfully true in life circumstances. Sometimes it's just learned sur- t- survival tactics that do not serve us anymore. Goodbye, shame. I've clearly got more important things to do. <laughs>
0: oh, I can love that. I can we give can no, can't applause? I can't
2: help but note. That this is a gal who's paid attention to Lynn for a long time.
1: And other resources. And
2: other resources. But the journaling, the intensity about taking captive to Christ's obedience, these thoughts, this shame, the statements I say to myself, are they true or are they not? I would suggest that in some fashion of speaking, this gal we're calling Ellen is a disciple of yours.
0: Mm. Along with many, (laughs) many of us. Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) it's it's true Lynn and we appreciate you and we appreciate this Ellen who modeled it for us what an excellent conversation that we've had today just really unpacking grace and truth and the journey for it the word that's coming to my mind is contending And, you know, we talked about the the warrior spirit coming up to say, you know, adversity, I'm coming after you. That's what I feel like the heartbeat of this whole topic is. It's contending for God's perspective on ourselves first, on our circumstances, on our children, and just not letting the enemy have space. Yep. And mm-hmm. fighting back and saying, no, like God has mm-hmm. life for me, for yep. me, myself, for my children, for my family, for the purposes that he has for me. And I'm not going to let the devil steal any of it. Amen.
1: Amen. Preach Preach it.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Amen. Oh, well, friends. What's come out of this podcast for you? Are there grace and truth messages that the Holy Spirit is maybe stirring up in you? Any thoughts? We would love to hear what your thoughts are after this podcast. And again, just the challenge post it on social media, because just like our Ellen, you will encourage so many people tag us because we would love to hear. Jim and Lynn, thanks so much for this podcast. It's been a joy. To have the conversation with you.
2: Always, always a pleasure, Stacy.
1: Yeah, thank you so much.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for tuning in today, friends. Are you interested in diving deeper into what is under the surface and learn more about the online course called Grace and Truth for Moms? If you are, go to our show notes where you will get all of the information. And while you're there, would you please rate and review so others can find us more easily? And if this podcast has been helpful, consider sharing it with a friend. These steps are so helpful to spread God's grace and truth to more parents. Well, for more information, go to connectedfamilies.org. I will see you next time.